the, uh, I think back to when I used to sit in the pew, and it was a long service if I didn't have a book or, a, or the Word in front of me, and especially for those of you that are continuing to get to know me, I'm all about connecting dots. And if you don't have the dots to connect, it's just, for me, it'd just be circles going around, right? But uh, Luke chapter 18, and I will uh, just put the, the forewarning out there. Um, my destination is, is to cover all of Luke 19 this morning. What are you pointing at, Shauna? Uh, do business till I come. That'll be the name of the message. But uh, yeah, Luke chapter 18, I'm just going to pray for some reason, I'm a little energetic this morning, and we'll ask God just to help me collect my thoughts. And Energy's okay, right? <laughs> it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Um, I thank you for just the hearts and lives that have come into your house for obvious reasons. Lord, and quite often as we come before you in this way, uh, you show other things to us. Lord, and you speak to us, and you encourage us, and you exhort us, and Lord, the, the idea of leaving the same, hmm. I just pray this morning that, that you would speak to us, we would connect these dots, Lord, and we would have fun studying your word, but Lord, if there are things in our lives that we have to do business with, Lord, if there are complacencies, if there are excuses, Lord, I pray that you would move us to make those decisions, Lord allowing our lives to be changed, conformed to your image. Lord, I just pray that we would understand we don't do these things on our own. It's you. You use your church. You use your word, Lord. And, and this is a lifetime process. So I pray that you make these truths very real. In your precious name, amen. So in Luke chapter 18, I just want to begin reading in verse 28. I think we've covered the, the rich young ruler. Jesus has been presenting um, the kingdom. There's an emphasis, the kingdom of God. Jesus on the throne keeps being placed in front of his disciples, the apostles, as well as those believing and following. And Peter, then Peter said in verse 28 of Luke 18, said, see, we have left all and followed you. And that's, a, that's a, almost a prerequisite. I mean, if we're going to be pleasing before God, if we're going to be surrendered and walking in obedience, right? we, we leave, we, we get rid of anything in our life that's hindering us from following Christ. See, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God there is no believer that has sacrificed, and this isn't just pastors, this isn't just missionaries, right? This is the born-again believer. There is no one who has sacrificed for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Right? So that blessing is not just for now. We're looking ahead. Right? We're looking ahead for the kingdom that is coming. Verse 31. There seems to be a big shift here. <laughs> then he, Jesus, took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. We are going up to Jerusalem. And all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. 
and all the Old Testament scriptures that pointed towards Jesus as the Messiah King. Messiah meaning the anointed chosen one, right? And this is Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. There's a reason why we've been taking our time through this. Right? The Messiah, we know Christ in the Greek, means anointed chosen in the Greek. But it all points to Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? Verse, verse 32, for he, Jesus, will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon they will scourge him and kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. You pause. Right? And you, you realize Jesus is sharing right, the New Testament gospel with his apostles. Right? This is, this is the, the foundation of what our New Testament relationship with God through Christ rests on. Whether you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he came, Right? He willingly went to the cross. He, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. Right? That, that's the foundation of our gospel. When you believe that and you ask him to be your personal savior, when you ask him to be your, your Messiah, your Christ of your life, right? you enter into that relationship with God. <laughs> then we read our Bibles. Right? And Jesus, Jesus ascended. Where is Jesus right now? right in heaven, right hand of the Father. But he's not going to stay there, is he? Right? No. Right? Just traveling through there. He's going to rapture the church. He's going to call the church to himself. Then there's going to be seven years of tribulation, and then Christ will return with his saints with the kingdom. Right? And that's why discipleship is so important. It doesn't just stay with him on the cross. Right? There's a, a program that's our hope. Verse 34, read it with me. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. We won't go into that, and that's where we were last week. Right? But it's important for us to notice here that chronologically we need to insert some texts. Okay? So I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. As we understand that the synoptic gospels, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right, they're all, they're all traveling the same way, all right, they're running parallel, and there are different events as the Holy Spirit moved these, these writers to, to include, and in Matthew chapter 20, we receive a little bit more in what we've been looking at Sunday night, the importance of context, what's going on, right, which really changes how we read our Bibles, for me, I'd rather figure out where the events take place and read it from Scripture than have a commentary tell me <laughs> what's going on, right? But that takes hard work. It takes hours, right? But it's so rewarding, isn't it, Mr. Hogue? Right? When all of a sudden there, it starts falling into place. So Matthew chapter 20, same time, right? Same, same events. We're all about, it's about a week and a half to two weeks before Jesus goes to Calvary. Okay? Verse 17, Matthew chapter 20. Now Jesus going up to Jerusalem. Sounds familiar. Right? They're just crossing the river Jordan. They're entering once again into the promised land, and Jerusalem is before them. Jerusalem is built on a mountain. So topography, right? Chris and I were there last year. You're either going uphill or downhill 
Or if it's flat, you're probably in the desert. That's what that country's like. <laughs> I mean, it's a great country for a dirt bike. <laughs> Honestly, I kept thinking about it. You're just going to rip forever. Um, but here we are. Jesus going up to Jerusalem, okay? And it's before them. They've crossed the Jordan. They've entered the promised land. Calvary's before Jesus. And, and I mean, you picture there's Jerusalem. That's where Jesus is going to sit on his throne, Zechariah 14. And, and the excitement is building. But then Jesus took the 12 disciples pardon me, aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify, and the third day he will rise again. There's a little bit of context that I want to present to you so you understand what's going on here just a little bit better as you read this. First off, as we look at verse 18, Jesus says, Behold, look and see, pay attention, this is what's before us. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem. The feast of Passover is before the nation. Right? And we go back to Exodus chapter 12 for, for the details and instructions that God gave to them. Right? Back, back when Israel was in Egypt in slavery. Right? And the Israel watched as God came in. And, and we see the nine plagues in, in Egypt. God showing the Egyptians that He is the one true God. Showing Israel He is the one true God. And we remember the tenth plague. Right? God tells Moses to warn the people that he is going to go over the land and the oldest person in every household was going to die. That would be me. <laughs> right? I am the oldest. The oldest child was going the oldest male child was going to die. Unless unless they followed God's instructions. Right? Unless they followed God's provision of salvation and we remember what that was right it was a passover lamb examined right and they would they would kill that lamb and what did they do with that blood they painted it over the lintels of the door right the 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 header we'll call it in framing language and the doorposts right and as 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 they did that it was a display of faith in god's provision right of salvation and as God came and he saw that, 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 that faith, faith motion, that faith belief, he passed over that household, right? And that, that oldest, that life was saved. It was a, a covering. So every year at the Feast of Passover, as a remembrance of what God did and that God provides salvation, every year 600,000 to a million Jewish men and their teenage to, to grown sons would travel from wherever they were in Israel, would travel to Jerusalem. That's a lot of men. That's a, that's a lot of detail. Some were traveling a couple days. Some had to travel a couple weeks all to remember God's provision of salvation, right? This is a pretty significant thing here. As they crossed the Jordan River, and I wish I, wish I had, I'm not, anyway, I wish I had a map there. But as they crossed the Jordan River, all right, they were outside of the promised land. And you'll notice in your gospel readings that the next, as soon as they cross into Jerusalem, they come to Jericho. 
Now, we understand the location is a little bit different, but when Joshua crossed the Jordan River, what was the first city they came to? Jericho, right, in, in the first part of Joshua, right? So that we have Jesus leading these followers, leading these believers, leading these that think the kingdom of God is going to come immediately, leading them into the promised land with Jerusalem before them. Do we see that climax coming? Right? It's prophesied. I mean, Israel belongs to Israel. So we have them. They cross the Jordan River. The Jerusalem is before them. One more piece to add to this puzzle. One of the practices, and just very quickly, turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 120. As they cross that Jordan River, as they set their sights on Jerusalem, Psalm 120, they would begin spiritually preparing their hearts to enter God's holy city. They would begin spiritually preparing their hearts to step into God's presence in the temple. So even, and I don't know, it might have maybe a day and a half journey up into Jerusalem because there were preparations. But what does the top, under, right underneath Psalm 120, what is the title heading there that you see? Song of Ascents. All right, ascent meaning the, the, the going up, the climbing up. And one of the practices as they're spiritually preparing their hearts was they would begin to sing these songs of ascent. Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 is the psalms or songs of ascent. So as they, they cross through, you can picture, I mean, you've got, let's say, 600,000 men passing through. There's a, there's a lot of people preparing their hearts to enter into Jerusalem. A lot of, a lot of hearts doing business with the Lord, right? Because you can't come into God's presence with casual sin in your life, right? I mean, that, that, that is a dangerous place to be. And, and the important thing to remember here is God has always given you what you need to, to deal with that sin, Right? Pre, before salvation, Jesus died on the cross and we can claim that sacrifice for ourselves. For us as believers, we're not perfect, right? but we come to him. 1 John 1 says that we confess and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess and we're back into fellowship. But you can picture this group, this crowd, preparing their hearts to go up this, I'm going to say, well, it's, it's kind of like the New Brunswick Hills, this long ascent into the city to, to step into the presence of the Lord, and they all are bringing their Passover lambs. And this is the last piece of this picture, so just, just, just stay with me here. Right? Singing, spiritually confessing, repenting. Right? This is a special time for them, and they have their Passover lambs that they're going to take up that are going to be sacrificed in the temple. Why? the Passover for the covering right for the covering of their sins okay all of a sudden Jesus takes his 12 disciples aside in the midst of the singing in the midst of the examining in the midst of the anticipation he takes them aside and what does he tell them the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death. Do you see that change from that Passover lamb that they were carrying to what he, Jesus is trying to show his apostles, his disciples? Jesus was going to give his life on the cross as that redemptive sacrifice. 
he was going to be that Passover lamb and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify, and on the third day he will rise uh, again. This morning, with that picture before us, right, and I encourage you to read it uh, again, but please see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You remember John the Baptist crying out about Jesus, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Please see that. Please see this morning as Jesus takes the disciples aside. Please see the climax of the cross building, right? The tension, the trials that are coming, right? Jesus with the cross before him. See the climax of the cross building. This week I stopped and thought about John 10, 9 where Jesus says, I am the door, Right? If anyone who comes and, and enters in by me will, will find rest. I thought about that door with the blood over the lintel and on the doorposts. That's what Jesus was willing to do. That's what Jesus was trying to explain to these disciples. And what does Luke say? They didn't understand these things. They didn't piece them together. Even just to think about next week's study as we step into John 12, and I promise we will. Mary, at the feet of Jesus, anointing His body for what? For His burial. She understood the, the, the death. She understood the sacrifice. She understood what Jesus was about to do. So with that being said, I invite you to look at Matthew 20, verse 20. And Jonathan and I had a brief conversation this week, and he said, it's okay to do overviews. Right? So we have the, the, the situation, the, the seriousness that's here. But then in verse 20, we see the anticipation of the kingdom and humanity's response as James and John's mother, Salome, comes and asks Jesus to exalt her son's position where? In the kingdom of God. Right? And we're going to see this uh, referenced and, and, and focused on again. So verse 20, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, came to him with her sons, kneeling down to ask something from him. Kneeling before Jesus. Kneeling before the king. And he said to her, What do you wish? And she said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left. Where? In your kingdom. Right? And, and we don't blame them. Everything was about Jesus taking the throne. Right? Everything was about finding their place and their position in the kingdom. I really wish the church, I really wish Christians would have that much concern right, and desire to know about their place in the kingdom. I really wish there was that much passion to know because we understand, right? We have already talked about 1 Thessalonians 4. We will be raptured, those who have placed their faith in Christ. We will meet the Lord in the air. There's a seven years of tribulation for those left behind, right? Where, where they will basically either believe in Christ and, and more or less be martyred or harden their hearts to the place where they will face their eternal judgment. The Bible says so, right? But then when Christ returns... In Revelation, right? The, 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 end, the end of the story, as he returns and we return with him, what does he do? He, he inaugurates, that's a big word, he puts in place the kingdom of God for a thousand years. Where do we find ourselves? 
in that kingdom, right? As glorified, born-again believers, right? We have flesh and blood, right? You're going to be able to go like this, only there without the taint of sin. You have a thousand years living on this earth with many of the, the, the effects of the curse removed, but we are living, breathing in the harmony of Isaiah 65 and 66, we're not, we're, this is not mystical. This isn't, this isn't somewhere where we're floating around in heaven. No, we're on earth ruling and reigning and living with Christ. Do you not think the church and Christians should be more interested about that? Right? Or the, 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 the new heavens and the new earth where we will spend eternity in God's program, just like the Garden of Eden. We don't spend eternity in heaven. And I'm not sure how that works with going back and forth, and there's some theories with that, but we, we, things are returned back to God's design. So they think that there should be an interest into how that affects me now. And how you live now will uh, influence and affect your time in the kingdom. I thought to myself some of the reasons why the interest isn't there. Number one, because of the accountability that we have to examine in our life right now needs to be lived seeking God in holiness, right? Because we can't live however we want here as believers, right? We're not in charge of our own there. The standard is this. This is how God measures us. When we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, this is what God, Jesus, will judge us by. Did you obey me? You stop and think about that. It gets serious in our hurry. Why don't we talk about it? Maybe it's tolerance towards how people are living their lives. Maybe it's tolerance towards spiritual complacency, uh, laziness. Maybe people just don't know, right? And I, I don't want to rule that out. Maybe, maybe this has not been taught clearly from the pulpits, right? From a, a pastoral standpoint. And it really, really needs to be. And lastly, it may just be the, the theological differences that are going on too because a lot of our commentaries teach a millennialism and I thought to myself even this morning in the quietness of the church it <laughs> the, the amillennialism which is what the reformed Calvinists there hold to and, and that's your Presbyterians and Catholicism and 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 many other different denominations but they believe that we're in the thousand years now the non-literal thousand years and and mockingly a little bit but not really my messianic kingdom does not have COVID in it Right? I mean, it, it just doesn't, that harmony, it doesn't, it doesn't have it in it. So, and, and we won't travel that down too far. But, but it comes back to, why don't we talk about this? Right? Why, don't we, why don't we visit this? Why aren't we eager to learn this? Um, John, James and John's mother were eager, like position, power. You know, okay, where, where are their place going to be? And we'll just leave that at that. Come down to verse 29 with me. And we're introduced to Bartimaeus and his companion. And I'll read this because these guys are announcing, remember, we're all, everything is pointed here to Jesus entering Jerusalem with the triumphal entry. Right? And you have these two men, blind men, announcing the procession of Jesus. Read with me, Matthew 20, verse 29. Now as they went out of Jericho, here we go, they crossed, crossed the Jordan, Jericho's before them. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed them. Picture a parade. I mean, a great multitude. If you've got that many people going to observe the Passover, I mean, I don't even want to throw a number. 10,000? Right? I mean, or that might be a small number. And behold, 
Two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. That's a kingly title. Right? And we can go back through there. That, that's, that's a Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel chapter 7. Right? That, is, that is a very important thing to note. They were saying, here comes the king, O Lord, Son of David. This is the king. And the multitude warned them, probably because of the tension that's going on, that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion, the king had compassion, and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. As they cried out this kingly title, they were expecting the kingdom to come immediately too. Right? I mean, it was an expectation. But we as students of the word understand right, that the kingdom, the, the Israel's new covenant, was, had been postponed. Right? It's been postponed. Matthew chapter 2, Jesus 12, sorry. Jesus came and offered it. And this is where the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit steps in. Jesus did signs and wonders. He showed them that he was the king, showed him he came from God, showed him what the kingdom will be like. And they rejected that gospel. They hardened their hearts. And we see Jesus judge, right? It was done. They, they, were, they were cut off. Israel was temporarily cut off. This generation was cursed because they rejected the gospel. Rejecting the gospel is a very serious thing. Right? Because one day that will be your final answer, right? If you've rejected that free gift of salvation. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. I wanted to say at the start, fasten your seatbelts. All right, so here, now we're into, and again, overviews, but, but piece it through. You've seen it now. Now you can read this at home, Zacchaeus. Now we remember that, that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he, he climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And he said, I can't read your lips. Zacchaeus, you come down from here, there, for the Lord he is coming. Coming to your house today, oh, he's coming to your house today. That's going back to my VBS days. <laughs> but here we have Zacchaeus. And just to read a couple, couple verses, I want to read verse 8, 9, and 10. But here's a man that heard the gospel of the kingdom, realized he had sin in his life. I mean, he was a tax collector. His own people despised him because he took money from them. I mean, it, 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 I, mean the key, I read there, I mean, he's a sinner. He's a sinner. Well, I'm a sinner too. Right, but here's a man that was hearing the gospel of the kingdom, recognizing the errors in his life, recognizing his, his, his shortcomings. We define sin as missing God's mark right, of righteousness, recognizing that. But he does something about it. Right? As, as, as he's, he's responding to the gospel, verse 8, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. He didn't always do that. Right? This is the power of the word. This is the power of repentance. This is the power of wanting to have that relationship with God and his place in the kingdom. 
I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. We understand what it's like to try and fix sin, don't we? Try and fix hurts, fix mistakes. We understand that. Right? But Jesus is the answer to that. Jesus fixed that on the cross. Right? We need to come to him. And Jesus said to him, today, because of this man's faith, because of this man's changing, his desire for that new life to be made, that new creation, giving himself to Christ. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he is, pardon me, he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to what? Verse 10, seek and save that which is, was, lost. Let me read that one more time. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. We're all lost, right? Before we gave our lives to Christ, right, we were lost. Some of us as, as believers, and for me at 17, I, I didn't lose my salvation, but I, I became lost again. This was closed. I didn't, spiritual fellowship meant nothing to me, and I became lost. But Jesus embraced me back, praise the Lord for grace. Right? But we see, see that picture so clearly, so clearly. So then in Luke chapter 19, verse 11, we're going to step into the parable of the mina, and this is what we'll land the plane with, because this is your application. This parable, Matthew chapter 13, explains to us that as Jesus spoke in parables, it was for the disciples and those who believed to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, right? The, the, the ones, the Israelites and, and, and Gentiles, hardening their hearts to the gospel, they, they had refused this free gift. So as Jesus spoke, right, the, these parables were the mysteries of the kingdom, Right? And for us today as we read it, we understand that, that, that Israel's new covenant promises has been postponed and we find ourselves as the church in this mystery. Right? Looking forward to the coming kingdom. Looking for the imminent return of the king. And we're going to see that. Okay? So as, as we read this, we're going to find our place understanding that the kingdom is not here yet. Right? There's no, no COVID in my, in my harmony of, of Christ on his throne. We understand that the kingdom is coming. And that us as the church, as born-again believers, we are called to do business until he comes. Right? It's very, very simple. So let's read through this. And our Sunday night crowd will know that I, I can't always keep my mouth shut when it comes to just adding little snippets that make sense but Sunday mornings that's kind of what I'm hired for <laughs> so read with me um, verse 11 Luke 19 now as they heard these things he spoke another parable a parable is just a a narrative or a teaching that is placed beside truth to help us understand that's a parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God, the messianic kingdom of God, would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman or a king or royalty went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. 
So he called ten of his servants, delivered, pardon me, so he called ten of his servants, delivered to them. So I want you to picture ten, ten of his servants lined up front. Okay, here. Ten servants all standing, and he delivered to them ten minus. Each one gets one. So he delivered them ten minus and said to them, Do business till I come. I have nothing else this morning and amidst all the details. Do business until I come. But his citizens hated him. Right? And we know that, that Israel, even to this day, rejects Christ. We understand that as Jesus went through the trials, I mean, when they, they, they chanted or the, the, the crowd was saying, crucify him, crucify him, that wasn't a half-heartedly chant. They were saying, no, kill him. They hated him. The citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, the king comes back, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Right? There's an accountability. There's a, there, there's, a, there's a reckoning going on here. Then came the first. Right? So the first servant is coming before the king. There's a judgment to be made. Then came the first saying, Master, your mina has earned ten mina. Right? That mina is about three, three months wage. There's, there's a little bit of variance there. But it's all earned ten mina. And he, the king, said to him, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in very little, have authority or rule and reign over ten cities. Where are those ten cities? In the kingdom. Okay, let's keep reading. Verse 18. And the second came, saying, Master, your mina has earned five mina. Likewise, he said to them, you also be over five cities. So ruling and reigning over five cities. Ruling and reigning with the king. Then another came. I don't know what happened to the other seven. <laughs> but then another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief. Was he trembling? Was there hesitation? Was there a, 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 was there a reckoning going on? I mean, his, his life is about to be examined, or the time and what he did for the king is about to be examined. I thought to myself, back to the last time I drove my driver's test, and how bad my hands were shaking. I mean, I was, how old was I, Chris, 30? 34? Oh. I know how to drive by 34, but just the thought of having my life examined by somebody, right, my driving skills, humbling, humbling. Master, here is your mina, which I have kept put away in a handkerchief, for I feared you. He didn't do anything with it. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You are a serious man. 
You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, the king said to him, Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere or serious man. Does somebody have another word than austere? Severe. Okay, so you got serious. Severe. You are a severe man. Just, but severe. Collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that at my coming I might have collected it with interest? Why didn't you do something with what I gave you? And he said to those who stood by, this is the, this is the consequence, right? This is why what his decisions did influence his place in the kingdom. And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him and give it to him who has ten mina. But they said to him, Master, he, he has ten mina. He already has ten mina. He already has that, that, that ten cities. He already has that reward. For I say to you that to everyone who was, pardon me, for everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. There will be suffering of loss. There's, a, there's an influence. There's a, there's a consequence for not doing business till I come. You picture Jesus almost in one of the commentaries uh, turning, turning to, and we won't get into this too much, but turning to the, the Pharisees and those that are already hardened to Jesus. They're not listening. They don't care about the kingdom. They don't, they don't think Jesus is the king. But bring here those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. That's your Matthew chapter 24 and 25, if you want to study that out in the end, where rejecting the gospel is your final answer. So just very quickly, we sense the seriousness of this tone, the do business till I come. We recognize this morning that the nobleman has that parable, the king, who's that speaking to? Jesus, right? The king, right? The nobleman. Where is the far country of verse 12? Went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. Heaven, right? Jesus, after he died, he was buried. He rose again on the third day. He showed himself for that 40 days. He ascended into heaven, that far country. What's the last two words of verse 12? To return. Is Jesus going to stay in heaven? No, he's returning with the kingdom. And now you have the, 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 the layout, you have the structure of this parable. So he called his ten of his servants. Right? What is a servant? Someone who serves. Right? And, and, and as we read that servant, we understand that us as born-again believers, and I say us, if you've placed your faith in Christ, we are called to be servants. Right? And as Jesus lines these ten servants believing and following and gives them a mina, he expects them to do something with it, right? right? What is that mina? That, that's the, the gift of salvation. You, you've, been, you, you've been given that free gift to have a relationship with God. 
Right? You have that beautiful promise of eternal life. You have the Spirit who dwells in you. I mean, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that has been given to you. But that's not just for you, is it? Do you take that, that, that free gift of salvation, put it in a handkerchief, and, and, and keep it to yourself? No, you are called to do business with it. I, I wrote down a couple thoughts. In that mina is your free gift of salvation. It's also, if I can find it here, the gospel of the kingdom that you have received yourself, understanding your hope, right? That you have a place in the kingdom, that you will be in Christ's presence for eternity. That is yours. But in that mina, you also have the heart of God. As Jesus is giving that, that, that mina to him, as the king is giving that mina, this is the heart of God who desires that no man perish. Right? But they all come to repentance. Right? God doesn't, doesn't trying to think of that verse now there, doesn't get pleasure from the death of, of sinners. Right? God isn't a, a wrathful God that desires man to go to hell. Right? He has given us that free gift of salvation to share with others. And when we put it in that handkerchief, we are sending, not to be careful here, to trace this out, we are influencing other people's eternities by not doing business with our mina. And that's a serious thing that we'll be held accountable for. The application, we are the servants, I am supposed to be serving, and that's something that is disappearing more and more from our churches. Right? That is something that we're seeing disappear. It's, it's not my task. It's the pastor's role. It's the missions committee's role. It's somebody else's role. But we're seeing that serving with our mind and disappear from churches. You this morning have been given what Jesus came to preach, teach, and offer to humanity. Your salvation is not just about you. That gospel of the kingdom is for all mankind. Right? And we have been commissioned to go with that. We've been commanded to do business Till the king returns. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to what? Observe all the things I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. If I can just highlight some of the different things of doing business with your mina. Right? The, the discipleship part of it as a believer in the church. It's engaging in prayer with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? As, you, as you meet, as you pray through the ministries, one of the most important things you could do with that gift is prayerfully seek the Spirit's leading in, in what you have been given. God, who do you want to talk to today? As a church, who do you want us to send out to? Who do you want us to engage with? It's spiritually learning and growing, not just in knowledge but an intimacy with Christ. That salvation you've been given, what are you doing? How are you fostering it? Are you spending time alone? Are you allowing that mind to grow in your own life? And then obviously the, the overflow of that is the energy and, and the drive and the, and the burden to go out with that mina and do business for the Lord. If you don't start with the, the basics, it shrivels up, that restraining. Again, part of me wonders whether the ten servants were working together or not. 
Um, we see them come before them one at a time. I think we could all recognize that even in the church, we're all very good at doing our own thing with our own mina. And we make our walk with the Lord our own. We make our spiritual life my own business. And we independently think that we're going to dig out of whatever it is. But think of the church. Think of, think of the model that we have. Doing business of the king is not an independent, my idea, what works for me, biblical concept. Right? The application with this, as Jesus is speaking to these disciples, as we know our place in the kingdom, it's working as a church family. It's spiritual unity, growth, discipleship. And that's something that we've actively tried to, to foster and we've begun a great work here as a church family. The together part of it. Taking the gospel of the kingdom once we understand it, once we understand the mina, once we, we've spiritually placed ourselves where we need to be, and then taking the gospel of the kingdom out from here. The amazing thing is we continue to get people coming in going, uh, I think I need something that you guys have. Why? Because we serve the king. And the king is a very serious man. Right? I don't think we'd often think of Jesus as being severe, but he's just, and he doesn't allow for the excuses that we make when we're, not, when we're doing our own thing, when we're not serving with our mina. Right? That time when we're, we're standing before the Lord, and, and with my New Testament reading, that fear and trembling before the Lord, that's recognizing that, that he is going to hold us accountable for what we do with our mina for the business that we're doing right now or not doing. Picture there in verse 16. And I think I'll just read through this. Because it, it is self-explanatory. Well done, good and serve, pardon me, good servant, because the faithful have authority over ten cities. And the second came saying, Master, your mina has earned five mina. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Will there be remorse in the kingdom? And again, this is, this is a big study. But I think as you look over at others who are ruling and reigning with Christ over more, I think there will be a remembrance of what we did now and did not do. I think there will be a, a achieving or a desire to serve more in God's presence at that time because we'll understand the big picture. Likewise, he said to him, you also be over five cities. Verse 20, then another came saying, Master, here is your mina. I have kept put away in a handkerchief. He decided, made excuses, didn't think the Lord's return was going to happen quite as fast. Caught, caught shamed at his appearing. Did nothing. Did not do business. Verse 22 he receives. And it really isn't a secret. And he said to him, out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere, severe, serious man, collecting what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why didn't you do something with that free gift 
that gift, that, that, gift that, that would have saved or, and, and influenced other people's eternity. Why didn't you do something with it? And he said to those who stood by, take the mina from him. Give it to him who has ten mina. Take that reward. But they said to him, Master, he has ten mina. For I say to you that no one, pardon me, everyone who has will be given. And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Maybe that's deserving of addressing maybe Wednesday night a little bit. But I don't think we miss the point, do we? You've been given the most important, special thing humanity could ever be given, and that was Jesus on the cross. Right? You have been given a responsibility with that. The salvation is not just for you, it's for the people around you as you share that gospel of the kingdom. Yes, live as lights, live as being different. <laughs> Maybe get quiet and reflect over your past week. Think, be transparent, be honest with yourself. What business did I do for Christ this week? What business did I do? How did I serve Him? What conversations? How did I serve the church? How did I... And I mean, yes, we're in COVID, but I mean, these things are so beyond COVID. We're not called to stop just because of COVID. What are you doing with your mina? Because there are consequences and influences with how you are faithfully living now or not. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, this text, we've been through a lot. Lord, I pray that you would help our study once we leave here. Lord, we know you reward diligently seeking you, especially when we have our whole heart in it. And I pray that you'd be with each one in this room as they read through these texts, that you would speak, and that as they examine their lives, Lord, I pray your spirit would move and help them to be honest. Help them to see where you want them to step out and do business for you. Help them to understand that one day they will stand before you and, and this, this time will be played out. And it's not just for all to see. This time will be played out and we will find our place accordingly in your kingdom. Just pray that if there's questions that we would ask them. Lord, I pray that you would just lead us in these studies. And I thank you for what you're doing. Just be with us this afternoon and bring us back again tonight. In your precious name, amen. I would like